Good morning. I want to meet you on this Easter morning in a place that on a morning like this is very meaningful to those of us that live in Santa Claus. It's the church cemetery that used to sit right beside the church down here by the campground. I'm surrounded this morning by names like Shaw and Ketzel and Schmidt, Rails. I'm surrounded by the people that, for many of you who are local, you've grown up with them, you've known them, you love them, their family, their friends, and you've said goodbye to them in this very cemetery. On Easter morning this year, there's three stories I want to share with you. They're stories about a cemetery. The first is Jesus when he's traveling with his disciples. They go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. They go out uh, to the other side of what they call the Lake of Gennesaret. And they go up to a place called the Gadarenes. They get out of the boat. And Mark picks up the story for us. When they had come out of the boat immediately, there met Jesus, a man out of the tombs with an unclean spirit a man who had made his dwelling among the tombs. No one could bind him, not even with chains, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces by him. No one could tame him. At night he was in the mountains, and he'd come back to the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones, and when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and he worshipped him cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I implore you, do not torment me. And Jesus said to him, Come out of that man, unclean spirit. A man that has now taken the tombs, the cemetery, as his home. We don't know what has pushed this man to this point. We don't know why this, this grief has overtaken his life. We do know this, that Scripture tells us an unclean spirit lived within the man. We do know that that spirit tormented him, and we do know that when this man encountered Christ, Christ used two words, come out, come out. The next story of the tombs that I want to share with you is a story that many of you are familiar with. Jesus is traveling with his disciples, and one of his best friends in this world dies, a man by the name of Lazarus. Many believe that this is the one that we call the beloved disciple. Jesus came to the tomb where, Jesus, where Lazarus had died, and Jesus said to Mary, Where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And the Bible tells us Jesus wept. And groaning in himself, he came to that tomb. It was a cave. And a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there's a stench. He's been dead for four days. 
And Jesus said to her, Did I not say that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? And so they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was laying. And Jesus lifted his eyes and he said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me and I know that you always hear me. And then he looked and he said, Lazarus, come forth. At the tombs in Gadarene, he had said, come out. To Lazarus, he beckons him, come forth. And we know the end of that story. Lazarus comes out bind and Jesus says, loose him, set him free. And the third time that we're going to read about Jesus being in the tombs is the reason we are here this morning. It begins with a story of a man named Joseph of Arimathea. I want you to remember before we read this story that when Jesus died on that cross, there was no place for him to be buried. And so it says, When evening had come, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph. He himself had become a disciple of Jesus. And this man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. And Pilate commanded the body to be given to him. Joseph took the body, he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth, and he laid it in his new tomb, which had been hewn out of rock. Then they rolled a large stone against the door, and they departed. Mary Magdalene was there, and the other Mary, sitting opposite. And the story goes on. After the Sabbath, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. Behold, there was a great earthquake, and an angel of the Lord descended from heaven, came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. The angel's countenance was like lightning. His clothing was white as snow. The guards shook for fear. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. I know that you seek Jesus, Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. He's risen, just as he said. Come, see the place where the Lord lay, and then go and quickly tell his disciples. And so they went to tell his disciples, and behold, Jesus met them and said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brethren. At the tombs in Jesus' life, he used three statements. He said to the demon-possessed man, Come out. He said to Lazarus, one of his closest and dearest friends in this world, come forth. And then he said to Mary, go tell. I want to talk to you in person this Easter morning when I move back into the sanctuary about those three words. I want to talk about come out, go forth, and go tell. What do you believe about death? 
it's pretty clear that those who were alive during Jesus' time had different ideas of what happened to you after you died. It's not a big stretch for the man who is at the tombs and the Bible says he is a demon-possessed man, whatever you believe about demons. There's no doubt that the man was being tormented by the very reality of death. He had taken up uh, residency in the cemetery itself, in the place where they entombed the dead. There were two thoughts in Jewish culture about death at that point. The first was that when you died, that was it. There was no more life. And so if, if you were a follower of that belief, then, of course, you left a legacy. It was very important that you would be able to care for uh, the body of the loved one, that you would be able to have a memorial and a remembrance of that loved one. And so you would, in the case of this rich man from Arimathea, Joseph, you would have had your tomb carved literally into the side of a rock because that's where your family was going to be remembered. That's where you would go. And it's not unlike the cemeteries where you have some uh, very large, large memorials and some very modest and simple and small memorials. Because when you died, it was your children that would carry on your legacy. When your life was done, your life was done. Then you had another belief in the Jewish culture, and for these individuals, they believed that there was a life after death, but that you would just sleep until Christ, or the Messiah, in their idea, until the Father made all of this uh, right in the end. So when you died, you were just asleep. So it was just important. Uh, it was just as important that you have a place to remember that your loved one was just sleeping. The, the difference with that was you saw hope at the end of the days when God would make it right. Now, if you were a believer in the first, I can understand how you would be tormented in the cemetery. If, let's say you had lost your child, and what you were thinking was... My child didn't get to live his life. My child did not get to leave a legacy for themselves in this world. I could see how a man would take up residency in a cemetery, driven crazy by the idea that beyond this life there is no hope. And so what meaning do I have in my life? I could also see in the story of Lazarus, when Mary gives us a little more information into her beliefs, when Jesus says, this happened so that I could show you the power of God, that I could show you the resurrection, she says, Lord, I know that in that last day, so we know which side of the Jewish belief system that Mary fell on. We really don't know with the man in the tombs other than the fact that his life was without hope at that point. So, in one, Jesus is using the power, the miraculous power of the Almighty to say, come out. 
With Mary, he's using, with Lazarus, the power of the Almighty to say, come forth, be freed. And then we see him on Easter morning. And brothers and sisters, this is the day where everything changed. Whether you're the man at the tomb and you had no hope in life after death, whether you're Mary and you had hope in an eventual life after death, or you're Mary Magdalene, and you have an idea that something's going on, but you don't know exactly what. And now you see he who had been crucified standing before you. You don't have to wonder if there's any hope. You don't have to wonder if there'll be a hope someday. Because today, Christ has shown you that the hope of the resurrection is the hope of today. This is the hope that Paul's going to teach us about for the rest of the New Testament and all of his letters. To be absent from this body is to be present with Christ. Not someday, but today. Brothers and sisters, Easter morning is about a basic shift and transformation in what happens to us because of the power of Almighty God in the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Easter morning is about death that has been conquered, hope that has been given, and life that is restored. He is risen. So come out. Come out of those things that are holding you in bondage. Come forth into freedom and then go. That's what Jesus told her. Go and tell others. That is the hope of Easter morning. I would simply remind you that um, that there have been many who have been very faithful over the Easter season. And I just want to thank you for that faithfulness. The last message of the Easter season that I get to deliver from my heart, I just want to say thank you. I want to say thank you to all of those that have made it possible to worship online in this way. Next week, it's going to be kind of a, boy, where did it all go? So much has been put into this Easter season. Thank you. Thank you for those who have been so faithfully giving to the church during this time. The offerings that you have been giving um, have made it possible to continue to support the church and move forward in this time. Uh, so thank you for that, for the people who have taken advantage of online giving or they've just dropped their offering by the church. Thank you. I just, from my heart, you have made this an Easter that though it's not normal, will be an Easter to remember. God bless you.
I know this is probably not how any of us expected to be celebrating Easter 2020, um, but I promise we've made the best of it so far, and we're going to continue to do that to the end of the service. Um, and I wanted to start out with a little bit of background. Uh, several weeks ago, I texted um, Pastor Tim uh, just about this Sunday, Easter Sunday, and um, logistics and speakers and whatnot, because last year, uh, Rooted, we didn't have Palm Sunday or Easter Sunday services uh, just because it was new, and we wanted everyone to attend 8 and 10.30. And this year, Pastor Tim wanted a Rooted speaker for Easter uh, because we are the second service now. And um, knowing I was next up on the line, I was the lucky winner. So uh, first and foremost, I just want to say how honored I am uh, to be before all of you this morning delivering an Easter Sunday message. Um, if you would have told me two years ago that I would be standing up here right now, I would have told you, you're crazy. I don't have a degree. Uh, I'm not old enough. I was only 14, and now I'm only 16. You know, this is, um, it's crazy. And on that note, uh, if you would have even told me two months ago that I'd be delivering the Easter, part of the Easter Sunday message through a live stream without my church family in the crowd, much less any message, I would have told you you're crazy. No one expected this. No one expected us to be watching Easter Sunday on our computers or on our TVs. No one expected not to be able to gather with their families today and eat a big lunch and go on a big scavenger hunt. No one expected this. I didn't expect this. Um, and the crazy thing is, before all this started, um, it seemed as if life was going great. Um, our basketball team had just won sectionals, and there was no doubt that we wouldn't be watching them at regionals the next Saturday. That Wednesday, actually, I bought my ticket to go to the regional game, and the next day, I found out that I couldn't go that it was just families only. And the next day, and on that Thursday, we had even been told at school, you know, you might not be here at school next week. Or we might have to go into e-learning. And um, I even thought, you know, that's, it's probably not going to happen. We're going to be okay. The next day, the basketball game was postponed to a later date uh, that was unknown. It was never set. And now it will not happen. And uh, we gathered together for a pep session on that Friday. And after that pep session, um, I went to my car and I got out my phone because someone had said we'd gotten an email from uh, Dan Sherry. And I opened it up and it told me that I would not be going to school next week, spring break, or the week after spring break. I was like, wow, this is real. Prom was then later postponed. Um, and soon after we found out we're not going back to school till May 1st. And soon enough, we found out we weren't going back to school at all. I was supposed to go to my first prom last Saturday. And instead, I stayed at home studying for an anatomy test. No one expected this. And um, I'll be honest, for the first few days of this, I was pretty upset myself. I'm not even a senior. If you are a senior, my heart goes out to you. Um, I, this is no way that anyone should ever have to spend the last few months of their senior year. Um, but I was just torn apart. I just felt um, like nothing was ever going to go right again. I saw no end to this. I saw no hope. 
and um, scrolling through Instagram and just on social media, and even just, I felt God telling me that he'd eliminated every single distraction that I could think of. That I no longer could say I had to go to work or go out with friends or go to school or have a hustle bustle of life whatsoever. He had eliminated every single distraction and he was calling to me. He was saying, pick up your Bible, read it, journal, pray, find me in this time because I'm the one that's gonna give you hope. And that's what I'm gonna encourage you all to do this morning is whenever he, now that he's eliminated all of our distractions, a lot of us um, are working from home. Maybe we've been laid off. Um, if you're a healthcare worker or medical professional, um, thank you. You guys are awesome. I can't even imagine uh, how you guys are feeling right now. You guys probably have distractions. Um, but still, those things that we called excuses now probably um, aren't excuses for us anymore. And for me, uh, reading a new book or starting to journal and write down my prayers, it really opened my eyes. And as preparing for this sermon, um, my mom was telling me, you really need to watch this sermon by Andy Stanley. I think he really goes along well with your uh, topic and what you want to talk about. And he did a great job of explaining, you can go back and watch it if you just look him up on YouTube. He does a great job of explaining um, Jesus coming into Jerusalem and what was going on and paints a really good visual. And he used scripture from Mark 11 and it really inspired me to use that in my sermon this morning. Uh, so if you all will turn there with me, uh, we're gonna go to Mark 11 chapter, Mark chapter 11, verse 10. It says, blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David, Hosanna in the highest heaven. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. My friends, Jesus and his disciples, or his disciples and his followers and people that um, he had taught, they thought that he was coming to Jerusalem to declare himself as king, as king of the Jews. And months prior, like Pastor Tim talked about this morning, he had raised Lazarus from the dead. He had healed blind men. He had performed miracles. And so they thought, this is it. He's going to declare himself as king. This is going to be awesome. Life was going great. And then it wasn't. Soon enough, he was arrested. And then he died on a cross. He died a criminal's death, and he was innocent. I can only imagine the hopelessness that his mother Mary felt, that his disciples felt, that his followers felt. Their Messiah, the, their teacher, had just died on a cross. But he did it for a reason, and there was hope that was coming. And I'll get to that in a little bit, but first I wanted to talk about um, something that Pastor Tim actually, when I met with he and Duffy on Zoom earlier this week, uh, Pastor Tim had a really cool idea to tie this into something very personal to our church um, that goes along really well. I'm super glad that he thought of this. I did have to ask my parents a few questions about this time because I was not alive, and you'll understand why this picture is next to me. And um, so let's go ahead and take a trip down memory lane. Uh, now that you're seeing this, I am Kinley from the past. Um, but for those of you that are probably from my generation, you may not recognize where I'm standing right now. 
um, or what this picture is. Uh, but for those that do recognize it, which is probably a lot of you, I am standing in the former grounds of Santa Claus United Methodist Church. Um, this church right here, which is obviously not here any longer, um, stood from 1873 to 2002. And in 2002, uh, our church family was informed that there were termites in the building. Um, after interviewing my parents, actually, because I was not born yet, um, I was born in 2003, so I don't remember any of this, um, but my dad remembered uh, that the way we found the termites um, was because we were setting up to do a simulcast uh, with some local business leaders. And uh, in doing that, they were trying to run cables and uh, just get the church set up technologically to prepare for this and for future simulcasts because the church was growing at this point. Um, and they found termites. And uh, shortly, Universal Design from Merton came in and um, informed us that the building was no longer fit to be a place of worship. Um, and by the next Sunday, uh, our church family was worshiping in auditorium at Herda Chills and soon after in the Santa Claus Community Center. Um, obviously, there was um, a sense of loss. Uh, this building stood for 129 years, almost 130 years. Um, had seen so many generations uh, grow up in faith and uh, just witnessed so many worship and so many worship opportunities. And um, now it was gone. The termites had overcome it, and uh, we were moving on to different things. And while there was that sense of loss, um, my parents remembered. Uh, that our church actually grew a lot during the time at the community center while we were um, building the new church. Um, we, uh, the children's ministries were growing. Uh, they were starting new ways of doing Sunday school. And uh, even growing uh, the congregation, uh, we uh, gained a lot of new members of our church um, and people that were all, also once considered the unchurched. And uh, my dad was on the building committee of the new church, and he remembered the number of which at the time was the number of people in an eight-mile radius of our location um, that were unchurched, that didn't have a church to call home or a church family. And um, so we began focusing on those 3406 people. And uh, my mom actually remembered that while the church was growing and flourishing before the termites, uh, we actually were outgrowing this small little church. Uh, and mom remembered that it took termites uh, to move us out of our comfort zone into onto greater things. So while we were waiting for the new church to be built, we refocused our ideas. Uh, we started focusing heavily on that 3406 unchurched and uh, making our new building for them and uh, just growing in our ministry and growing in our faith and continuing um, to trust God in everything he was doing. Because we as a church family, uh, we knew that what was coming for Santa Claus United Methodist Church uh, was greater than before. And this, my friends, was what God had in store for Santa Claus United Methodist Church. This was the hope that was coming for us. In this building, we've uh, had children's ministries grow, a youth group flourish. We've been able to do so much technologically. We wouldn't be able to even be, you wouldn't be able to see my face today if it wasn't for that and if it wasn't for Stephen. And uh, we've grown. We've grown as a church family uh, because this is what God had in store for us. And on the third day, Jesus rose. He rose from the dead. He rolled the stone away. He was alive again. 
And they said, go tell. Go tell them that I have risen. I'm alive. I can't imagine the joy that his disciples felt, that his followers felt whenever they found out that their savior was alive, that he had resurrected, that he had that resurrection power that he had just shown them the power of his father, of their father. That hope is coming for us too. I don't know when it's gonna be, none of us do. We're not God, we don't know the timing. But I also know that I don't think I find it a mistake that the Easter season has fallen when we can't be together. I find it no mistake that this is almost a sign that Jesus is saying, hey, there's hope for you too. So my prayer is that we never again take for granted shaking hands on a Sunday morning with our church family. That we never again take for granted going into a restaurant and having to wait to sit down because it's so full. That we never again take for granted giving our friends hugs. That we never again take for granted going out on a Friday night with our friends to the basketball game. That we never again take for granted what Jesus Christ did for us on that cross and that on the third day he rose. My prayer is that a new normal would be established in our world, just as it has been established in this church. That we don't forget, that our eyes are open, that we can slow down, that we learn something out of this. And my, also my prayer is that you take this message and you take the things that Tim said and you take the things that you've learned during this quarantine and you take it out past this time, that you take it out past Easter, a lot of us, Maybe some of you tuned in to Easter's service this morning because you felt like that's what you do. You go to church on Easter and then maybe you don't come back the next week. But my prayer is that the things that you've learned and the things that you have now heard through this Easter sermon, that you carry that out for years on end, that we never forget what Jesus has done for us and that we never forget this time because my friends, there is purpose for it. And there's hope that's coming for us because he is risen. Let's pray. Uh, dear Father God, I just thank you for your gift, for all the blessings that you've given us, that you brought your son to this earth so that he would die a criminal's death on a cross so that we could be forgiven for our sins, so that we would not have to endure hell, that we could spend forever with you, Lord because he died on a cross and then today he rose and today we praise you because you have resurrection power, because you have the power to forgive, because you have the power to bring death to life and you are good and you restore hope and you are joy and you are peace. And God, the, the pain that we feel right now is not compared to the joy that you are going to bring to us. We don't know when that is, God, but we put our trust in you, that you know when it is, and that you know that it is gonna be greater than ever before, and God, I thank you for that. And I thank you that even though this Easter Sunday is not exactly how we planned, that you have still been good, that it has still been great. I've loved sitting here this morning and being able to deliver this message for you, God, and I thank you a million times, God, I thank you, and I praise you for who you are. And I pray for everyone watching this video right now that their hearts would be touched by you, Lord, and that they would carry out this season of Easter, even whenever it's all over tomorrow, that they would still feel that power of you inside them, that next week, that next year, in the next 10 years, that they would still feel it, God, because you are good.
And I pray this all in your name. Amen. Wow, that was absolutely amazing. Here's the disclaimer. Don't give the preacher a camera and tell him to pre-record a message for Kinley because that's what you get, all right? That was not our professional people. That was not Tan. That was not Stephen or even Clayton uh, doing that. That was the preacher that went out and in a windstorm tried to get that. So um, just, you know, I'll stick to preaching, all right? Happy Easter, everybody. Just may your day be blessed. Uh, send a text. Have a phone call. Get together with those people that you love. Get together with those that you appreciate. Kinley, uh, just can't thank you enough. That was a fantastic message today. Uh, and it shows how and why God has placed such confidence in all of our rooted uh, team. So thank you for that. God bless. We end with this. May the Lord bless you and keep you on this day. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May God lift up his countenance upon you and may God give you peace. God is good all the time and all the time. God is good. Happy Easter.